Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know. Usually what my friend Ryan and I do is that we have a conversation about a certain topic, and we've been doing that for some time now. But along the way, we've recorded a few thoughts around a current event or a current thing that happened on uh, the many platforms of the internet, whether that's YouTube or Facebook or just a blog article or more. And we've been trying to add those to the end of episodes, but we have been talking far too long and not enough to cut out to make this possible to, as an add-on to some of our other episodes. So what we wanted to do for you this week is just give you a brief podcast and focus on a particular event that mattered to Ryan quite a bit. And it was hard for him, but it was important for him too, I think, because it allowed he and I to discuss what it looks like to be on the frontier and instead of going into traditional paradigms, whether that would be on the right or the left. And we spoke about this for a while. I sent him the edited copy. He likes it. He actually says he loves it. And so we're going to share that with you today. It'll be a shorter episode, but I do hope that you stick around and you listen to the whole thing. It shares a little bit about who Ryan is and shows you what it looks like to live on the frontier, especially when you are in a conservative church body of some sort. As always, we want to ask you to send any questions, any thoughts, any concerns, any ideas that you might have, or stories that you might have about living on the frontier. We want to engage with you as much as possible, so do so by sending us an email at FrontierFaithPodcast at gmail.com. The final little announcement is we kind of recorded this as if it was going to be added onto an episode, so if there's any indication of that throughout this episode, just ignore it. I want to again thank you for listening. I can't say that enough. It is such a joy to be able to do this and to know that some people are listening. And this is the first time I'm going to ask it, and I'll close with this. If you are enjoying what's going on here, please share it with someone. Share it with someone who you think might benefit from these conversations. Don't let this stay just between us and you. Share that with a friend of yours, a spouse, a child, a church member, whatever it might be, so that we can continue this conversation for folks who are on the frontier. Well, without further ado, enjoy this conversation. Today we're going to be talking about a YouTube video it was actually on C-SPAN when it first uh, came out, I believe. And the YouTube video is from a senator in the state of Missouri. And he spoke on the Supreme Court's Bostock decision. Um, just so to give context for what we're talking about, the Bostock decision, I can't remember who Bostock v. whoever, but anyway, um, was that the court ruled that the Anti-Discrimination Act, when it said you're not allowed to discriminate on the basis of sex, um, that that then they could extrapolate to say that um, you're not like it is illegal for someone to fire someone or kick them out of their house or in any way discriminate against someone based on either their sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, and 
it's interesting how they got there, but that's not really what we're talking about today. Because yeah. um, the, the point is that Mr. Senator Hawley from my state, he's one of my senators, hooray. Um, he was very upset by this ruling because he, and this is what he calls himself, okay? He is a Christian conservative. And he talked about why he was so upset by this. He starts by talking about legal conservatism, and he says that the justices did not hold to originalism, which is a uh, conservative movement within legal practice. And I assume textualism, too, I think was textualism. Yep. Which are, of course, interpretive moves or interpretive frameworks. And I believe that this senator is a lawyer, so there's which wouldn't you know be surprising. Many of them uh, are, yeah. Many of them are, and he started talking about what that meant, and he was talking about how these justices decided, even though they were put on the bench by conservative presidents, in order to uphold this legal strategy or legal legal framework of interpretation. They did not for this. That's what he says. I'm not a scholar, so I don't know. I'm a legal scholar. I have no idea. But what he started to do after that was really interesting. That's the important framework or the introduction, because what he started to say is that conser- moral conservatives in America, especially those that vote Republican, have made a deal with the Republican Party, and that deal is that On the one hand, Republicans are to put Supreme Court justices on the bench that would uphold their values. There's a lot of um, complexity behind this, but that's a very shorthand way of what Senator Hawley says and what is going on in America. And generally, he means about things like abortion, gay marriage, guns, you know, etc. And so he's obviously upset about this one in very terrible fashion because, um, you know, he's not these justices aren't after the gays. So, um, right. Well, and but plus, how does like it's it's also how he defines himself, right? He doesn't define himself as just a Republican or even a conservative Republican, but he takes care to identify himself as a conservative Christian. Right. Um, and that that's how he frames all of this as well. So he can talk about this bargain that you were mentioning. Yeah. So that's the interesting piece. So the senators, I'm sorry, the um, people elect Republicans so that Republicans will put justices on the bench. And the other part of this bargain, this is the word that the senator uses the bargain is, is you Republicans pretty much can get away with anything else as long as you fulfill that end of your bargain that we're making together. So the logic of the speech then goes from the uh, bargain to say that that bargain's not working out for moral conservatives. Because of things like the Bostock case or the right. Oberfell case or whatever it is, right? Right. And therefore, the moral conservatives or what he calls christians well he mentioned jews and you know stuff too but you're right you're right yeah um judeo-christian values right 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 
But what he says is that we should stop pretending that this bargain is worth a damn and we should just do, uh, he's very careful in his words and we're going to hold him to these words. He, he says we should just do the good, right Christian thing to do. And I think he even invo- evokes the name of uh, Jesus, does he not? He talks about how uh, we're supposed to love our neighbors and that leadership is done through serving others. Yeah. Um, which, well, we'll just say that for now. That That's, yeah. that's what he's doing. That's, what, that's the move that he makes in this um, speech that he gives. So we're going to kind of talk about maybe even debate and kind of process through this. But I sent this to Ryan because I didn't want to give him a heart attack and say I like this guy. But uh, I sent this to him because he's the worst (laughs) senator. I mean, he's bad. I'm the worst, too, sometimes. But what I found really interesting about this and Ryan had to, you know, call me and say, what the hell? And then we figured it out. But what I thought was really interesting was. I actually found myself agreeing with this logic. Now, let me clarify very quickly. I do not agree with his uh, objection to this ruling. Uh, I don't care what you are, who you are, what you do, all that kind of stuff. There is no room for prejudice. There is no room for discrimination, period. End of story. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter what you think about those things. The common human decency that we should have for one another is you don't have to worry about whether or not you have a job because of what you do, unless what you do is murdering people, right? It, well, if you're doing something that somehow harms people, well, okay, that's different, yes, right? Right. But this case was about, you know, if uh, Jim is married to Jane, that's fine. But if Jim is married to John, we got to fire him. Right. So I got to make that clear. I'm not saying I disagree with that when I like this guy's logic. I think we're going to do something kind of interesting in this short little section here. I'm also not saying that I agree with this man's intentions or with what his solution is after the logic. Right. So there's a logic of what he says. It's a doozy. It's a doozy. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what we think. Um, cause you know him a bit better than I do, uh, but we can engage on either his intention or what his, he kind of hints to the solution in this YouTube video as well, but cause that was your initial reaction, right? And you're still kind of working on that as I'm bringing this up. So this one was difficult for me because, you know, since I'm gay, I was very glad that, um, the, the, the court ruled that, you know, even though it took till 2020, the court has now said that I can't be fired because I dated because I date guys. You know, it's great. It's great to know that. But yeah. um, I mean, serious, like it really is. But um, so this was hard for me because this guy was incensed by that. Right. He is so upset because um, now I can't be fired for being gay. Or at least if I am, I have legal recourse for it. Right. That's what this this law is supposed to be for. It's supposed to help prevent discrimination. So Mm -hmm. it was tough because I see this guy proclaim himself a Christian conservative in order that he can argue for discrimination. Now, I know he would not frame it that way, but as the person who would be affected by it, I don't know how else to frame it, you know, Um, especially since one of the keys of his um, argument of being a Christian conservative was how because this bargain has failed, it's now up to those of us who are Christian conservatives, 
he's speaking here, to lead, right? I don't know if that means some kind of intra-party coup or whatever, but he's saying because it hasn't worked, we need to take the lead so that we can get what we want. And then he said the way we do that is by serving others. And so I'm sitting here thinking like, um, excuse me, <laughs> how, how, like, well, so Mr. Senator, as one of your constituents, as one of your gay constituents, how are you serving me by fighting against this law? You know, mm-hmm. um, so I just admit it was tough for that reason. Also, I hate myself, but he's kind of cute. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but so like, I think what, what made it really hard for me to, um, it was hard initially just to even get any farther than that. I'll be honest, you know, because I would not like to live in the world where this is still okay. Um, so me either, by the way, well, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that I think, I think, um, what we kind of got to, as we talked about it, some though was okay, put aside his, well, shittiness and (laughs) like what, Maybe what we're looking at is, okay, but what what might the result of this, um, regardless, like putting aside his intentions for now, um, what does, like, what might the result be of this? And is there anything good in that? That was kind of what I think you were keying on. Yeah. So. so I think there are two potential goods. Now, there's a lot that could go wrong in this potential good. But the first is that, Potentially. Plausibility is another question. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hedging like crazy because I'm, I actually don't believe it's going to happen, but it's still potential. It's still a potentiality. And it's this that maybe, maybe Christians will stop shackling themselves to political parties. And maybe if, if moral conservatives, if conservative Christians, live according to the very logic that this man outlined, then they would stop fooling around with politics as the way they get things done. And in fact, they would change the way that they see themselves, or at least potentially change the way they see themselves, not as a a voting block. You know, we're in election year. They're going to be talking about that like crazy. Instead, what they would be, what Christians could be, would be influencers that change the way that people's lives are rather than trying to force things to happen in a political sense. I think I think that all sounds good. I mean, I'd be all for Christians not being, you know, incestuously linked to either or any political party, right? Um, but the the logic that he used, since we're talking about, and his conclusion and his intention was not, okay, this didn't work, and we see the error, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but, you know, he, he didn't say, well, we were wrong, so we're not going to do it anymore. He said, we were wrong, so we got to take control so we can do it, right? Like, he, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't criticizing anything about it. He was saying, um, we got to make sure this happens. We just did it the wrong way. And... I know we're talking about the result and we're, we're, you know, versus his intention and they're not necessarily the same thing, but I don't know if in this context, can they be separated the way we're trying to separate it? Yeah. And that was the question that we kind of rested on with this, uh, because 
my my hope uh, or at least something you can do if you're listening to this and you're surrounded by conservatives and you find yourself on the frontier and you're like wait a second you guys aren't acting very christian you say all these nice christian things but i'm not seeing it very much um Maybe a way to handle that environment is to do something like hold people to the standard they set for themselves. I've learned this from uh, another senator. He's a state senator in Nebraska, Ernie Chambers. And he has done really phenomenal things. He, He actually changed, crazy as it is, he changed the death penalty from electric chair to lethal injection as he's trying to abolish it in that state. Um, and he has had some stiff and fierce opposition. And every single time he's interviewed by somebody who is representing either the opposition in his state Senate uh, uh, YouTube videos that I've watched or an interviewer that's just trying to, you know, suggest that he's wrong in a kind but, you know, sometimes racist way. He just looks at them and he says, well, but you just said this. Or this is what so-and-so has said they believe. And if you really believe this, then this is the natural consequence or this is the follow-through of the logic. So the the whole point of this is if you're saying you're about serving people, then I'm going to hold you to that logic of serving people. And the way you serve people, Senator Hawley, is that you kick them out of their houses. <laughs> You don't align with a political party because you recognize that political parties have power that as a human being, you're going to want more and more of. And secondly, you treat people, as Jesus said, the way you want to be treated. And if you don't want to be fired from your job because you happen to be a Christian, then why in the hell are you saying that it's okay to hire people or fire people because they're gay, because they're black, because they're whatever? Right. So we can hold people to that same logic. And that's just something I wanted to tease out. I just wanted to think about that kind of laid out there and see what came of it. I think I think what makes it really hard for me is that the stakes of that are really high. I mean, for everybody, but in this case, especially for people like me, you know, and Honestly, I'll just admit, like somebody like him makes me really scared because he's very intelligent. He's attractive. He's charismatic. He's fairly young for the political world. He probably wants to be president like every other senator. Oh, I think he said it in that speech. Yeah. And I don't know that he ever will be. But I'm just saying, like, I do worry about people like him manipulating the system to get what they want, as we've seen happen a lot in the last few years, you know. And the the possible consequences that has, I mean, this is the group that tried to make it so that doctors didn't have to treat gay people if they didn't want to. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so like it's hard. I just w- will be up front and say it's hard for me to think about this in terms of logic or holding him to standards or whatever, because I'm really afraid that he's going to get what he wants and I'll be in a really, really bad place, you know, Um so it's just it's just hard for me to do that because, well, I, I want to make sure that I'm I want to be as safe as I can be, you know, and it's a shame that I have to protect myself from Christians. But here we are. Yeah, and I get that. I think that uh, it's certainly 
problematic. And so I think one of the things I want to really emphasize, you're not saying this, but some people might be thinking this, that doesn't mean, like holding this guy to his logic doesn't mean say, okay, uh, you can continue to be senator for as long as you want. We'll just try our best to hold you accountable, right? Um, that's not the case. Uh, it, this guy probably doesn't need to be in office. I don't know. I'm not going to make any political claims, but if this is the kind of thing that he does, <laughs> there's a pretty good case for it. He's bad. Um, He's bad. However, <laughs> at the same time, that's why I brought up Ernie Chambers, because it's so fascinating to me that a man who, in 1966, started his um, talks around this with uh, people, and he's holding Christians accountable. He said, well, you believe that Jesus is loving, so how are you doing this to your black brothers and sisters? Hmm. And... Uh, I don't know. I think I, I want to be very careful here because I don't know quite the right thing to say. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to learn from people who are definitely stronger than me. And a lot of people who are stronger than me uh, that I'm listening to right now, all are black voices. And I have just reflected on this like crazy, which is I am not strong enough to do the things that they do on a daily basis, to put up with the shit of privilege, of racism, and so forth. And I think that there's something really important in the way that they do it um, that I want to try to figure out. That's kind of where I am. I don't know if that was like good to say it like that, but that's, that's all what was in the stew, at least. I think the thing that really sticks with me, though, that I think I could find to be hopeful or encouraging is the idea of not in an argumentative way necessarily and not in a see you're all hypocrites kind of way. But there is something to, OK, let's hold people to the standards they profess and say, OK, if you want to serve your neighbor, explain to me how this is doing it, you know. Um, yeah. now I'm not saying I, I'm not naive in the sense that I don't think like he's like, Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm the worst. <laughs> I repent. No, it's not about people like him, honestly. Right. It's right. more about, um, you know, the people in your family who may say or believe similar things. And mm -hmm. it's not about arguing with them because I mean, you can, but good luck. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's more yeah. about like, okay, but can we really stop and think, like we say on this podcast a lot of, okay, but what's the actual practical effects or what, what does that really mean in the life of somebody if what he says happens, you know? And Absolutely. can you think about like everything he was saying was thinking about the lives of people like him, the conservative Christians, we need to get what we want and here's what we're going to do, whatever. But like, I almost think it's a good idea to any time you have something you're reacting against, have you stopped to think about, what it might be like or what you're saying, what that means for the people you're reacting against, you know? Uh -huh. um, and I wish, I wish there was a lot more of that. And so if we can use this as a way to look for more opportunities for that, that's, that's great. I just, I wish that it were not so fraught with danger for people like me. Yeah. And I think that's the real, like the first one, 
I hedge so much because I don't think it's possible. I think we will, or we uh, Christians that he's talking to, will continue to align with Republicans. That's just what's going to happen for at least until something changes dramatically. Um, the more likely, and that's the second one that you just talked about, is that by holding, by saying we're going to hold this senator and people like him to the standard that they're setting, that we can ask a better question instead of what do you want politically, which is such an empty and not as helpful question. Ask the question, what does it really look like to serve people? What does it really look like to love your neighbor, as this man said? Does it look like love to say, my rights are more important than you? Is it loving to fire someone because of who they are? I think if we ask those questions around service and love for our neighbor, and, you know, as trite as it is, I've brought it up already, but let's let's follow Jesus' golden rule. I mean, we'll probably problematize that at some point, at least the way we interpret it. But hmm. um, at the very least, like for me, the golden rule is like the low bar. Right? <laughs> the very least. <laughs> it treat be. people the way you want to be treated. Yeah, but yeah. And we, yet we all struggle with it. Yeah, and we tend to treat people the way we think they should be treated. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think for me too, just in a personal sense, not applying it to anybody else, but personally I've been, as we've talked about this, I've been thinking about, okay, but what does treating others the way I want to be treated? What does loving my neighbor, what does serving someone look like even for people like this person, this um, Senator, I mean, you know, like, how do I love them as my neighbors, even if they're saying and doing whatever these things are that are pretty scary? And I don't know. <laughs> okay. mm, I wish yeah. I could give you the answer. I'm, I work on that a lot. But um, because if I'm going to hold them to the standard, I want to hold myself to it, too. At least yeah. I want to try. Um, and that's easier some days than others. But that's that's the goal. Absolutely. Yeah, because we're not about just commenting and reacting and saying that people are shitty even when they are. We're about saying, okay, how do we live life together? Uh, and that is a more interesting and more complex and a more challenging question. And maybe that's the next step. Maybe that's the higher bar. Rather than just treating people the way we want to be treated, we treat people how... Jesus treated us, right? John 15 and John 13. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. Well, as promised, we don't really come to any substantial conclusion. We're just talking about what it looks like to be on the frontier. This one was a little bit more political than we usually do, uh, but I think it does highlight where our Christian faith intersects with our world right now. And we're in the Supreme Court season uh, as of recording this, so it's kind of fresh on our minds. And, of course, it matters to, to the people of our nation to know that if they happen to be gay or LGBTQ altogether, that they will not be fired because of who they are. And 
We just thank you for listening through our processing of that. Again, I want to reiterate, I'm not endorsing this guy's speech. We were trying to kind of take something out of it that sounded interesting, even though it wasn't what he intended and it wasn't the reason why he did it, to say something about, okay, what does it look like to live like Jesus? And that's the question we want to ask you. Uh, Send us any conversation pieces you have, any reactions to this. If you really hate that we gave this guy, or at least I gave this guy more of a benefit of the doubt, if you're like, no, to hell with him, or if you're like, uh, you're being totally unfair, uh, whatever, email us, frontierfaithpodcast at gmail.com, and let us know what kind of things you would like us to interact with, whether that be biblical passages, maybe YouTube videos like this, or anything else. We just want to start to have this conversation around what it looks like to be on the frontier, what it looks like to have these conversations and to think through these things. So thanks for listening and join us next time.